0: Computer Initialize Hollow Suite. Hello, everyone. A warm welcome back to the Sci Fi Feminist Podcast. I hope everyone has been keeping well in the past week. As usual, I would like to thank Ashley Ariel on Patreon for your support of the podcast. And if you would like to receive a shout out on the show, then hit me up on Patreon and let me know, and I will give you a really nice shout out on the Sci Fi Feminist Podcast. For today's episode, I'm very, very happy to be joined by a special guest. Her name is Catherine King, and she is the author of an upcoming sci-fi novel called Glass Stars. Now, I'm very interested for this novel. It will be out on the 24th of December, and it is available on Amazon, on Kindle, I will drop the link to the Amazon page, or yeah, to where you can buy it on Amazon for you, um, in the description and on the Holosuite Media page. Um, Head over there, pre-order the book. Um, Today I had a a chat with the author, and we're going to chat a bit about the book, about some of the philosophies that she explores in the book, Um, all sorts of interesting things. Um, Yes, so... Welcome today to an episode that is a little bit different. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I really enjoyed talking to her and talking about sci-fi and literature. It was really a wonderful chat. All right, so today's episode, um, we're going to get right into it. Everyone, here is our chat, uh, the chat that me and Catherine King had about her upcoming book called Glass Stars. I hope you enjoy today's episode.
1: yourself to us <laughs> sure hi I'm Kat King and I'm a uh, writer and I'm also a, a producer and director and I'm here to talk a little bit about this new project that I've been working on for the past 15 years it's just a tiny little project called glass stars 15 years wow <laughs> yeah wow. It, started out as a, it started out as a short story when I was in high school and then it's grown and as I've aged and started to live life and experience you know all that this wonderful world of ours has to offer, I began to realize, you know, I actually do want to finish the story and I think I know where I'm going with it now. So now I'm finally done and it's been a long time coming, but I'm really proud of it. And I'm really excited to talk about it today.
0: Wow. Okay. Yes, that is um, that is big. I um, I just finished my studies. I studied for nine years.
1: <laughs> oh wow! I yeah. So you understand the long haul. Like. Yeah.
0: So I understand uh, the process. Um, I think it's so amazing that um, something that started out as, out as a short story turned into a book. Um, yeah. Okay. So can you explain like the premise of the book? Uh, what's it all about? Um, how did you? Yeah. How did how did it start? Yeah. Just, yeah, explain everything. <laughs> sure. Well, let me tell you
1: a little bit how it started. So I as a child, I grew up reading a lot of fantasy and science fiction. And one of my absolute favorite books of all time is by Isaac Asimov. I'm sure you've probably heard of iRobot. And um, there's a new there's a new series out right now called Foundation that's based on his works. Okay. And um, so I I grew up reading his books and I was absolutely in love with this one called Nightfall. And if you don't know anything about Nightfall, it's a book about a race of aliens who live in perpetual sunlight. They live in a, a star system where they, I think they have six suns oh, and wow. they, they yeah. never experience nighttime whatsoever. And the scientist discovers this cataclysmic, you know, ecliptic event that happens every 2000 years or so and nobody believes him. Um, and so eventually the, the cataclysm comes to pass and it, the entire planet descends into absolute chaos and hysteria. And that's kind of where Asimov leaves the story. And so I, you know, I I love this story so much. And I I always wanted to produce it. I always wanted to, you know, take it and uh, take the book and adapt it for film and then take it away but I didn't have the opportunity to because the people who own the rights to it. aren't excited about giving up the um, rights to it at all. Um, they they actually did make a small TV series or a, a, a mini se- a movie about, about the book, but it didn't do very well. And I think they're a little bit, you know, uh, wary of trying to give it up and trying to let somebody else have a stab at it. So I decided I needed to come up with my own story. What would I, mm-hmm. if I were going to say anything about humanity, or if I was going to say anything about science fiction, th- Fiction. what would it be? And so I started writing the story when I was about 15 years old and I called it Glass Stars. And initially the goal of the story was to really just world build and build a futuristic um, you know, world for humanity to live and reside in. And then as I've gotten older, I've decided that I, I believe that we're headed on a sort of a path, a trajectory right now as a, as a species that um, is transhumanistic in nature. So what is transhumanism? Transhumanism is a movement to uh, extend human life through technological advancement. And it's really about, I mean, if you've ever heard of Cyberpunk uh, 2077, if you've ever heard of The Matrix, or even the movie with Johnny Depp called Transcendence, Mm. uh, Glass Stars will be familiar to you because it's the same kind of story that takes the 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 premise of simulation that, that because we're facing, our, our species right now is facing extinction if we continue on the path that we are in terms of climate change, right? Mm. So, so basically what I wanted to do was I wanted to ad- address climate change. I wanted to make sure that humanity, you know, addresses and, and tackles this in my story because it's, it's a huge part of our, um, our lives now and it will become even more important to us as we get older and in future generations. So that I decided to take the idea of simulation and instead of making it a mystery like in uh, the Matrix where nobody knows that we're living in a, in this big matrix right that was the whole thing it was it was a big mystery and then they cracked it open and t- turned out the alien machines were basically running the whole world and we were just trapped in this you know fake fake existence right Yeah, yeah. so that's the Matrix in my story basically what we've done is we've decided that because of climate change the planet has become um, uninhabitable for the most part, the the surface of the planet has become uninhabitable, which has driven people underground. And so the story is set in 2152, so about 150 years in the future, humanity is living underground and most people are residing and living and breathing and working full-time in the simulation. And because of this, they're not able to be as physically fit and they're not getting out as much, not getting as much exercise. And so the proliferation of androids and robots has become second nature to us. And now we have these robots that kind of look after us and take care of us. So Glass Stars really is set in this timeframe where people are living in a simulation and have become basically inert in the sense that they're not as active as they used to be. And now they live in this entirely fictitious made up world. It's called Earth Two. And eventually what happens is, is there's an attack there's a group of people called um, anti-transhumanists and they belong to an organization called United Against Transhumanism. And they work to bring down the simulation by destroying, by destroying the people who created it and everybody in it. And so basically the story starts off with this mass global attack that destroys just about everybody that, um, that's uh, attached to the simulation which is about three quarters of the population of the planet at this time in our history. And so that's basically the story. It, it starts off there and then it leads us to what happens next. Where does humanity go from here? Hmm. And so the book is told, the book itself is is um, is coming out on Christmas Eve and it'll be available on Amazon. Um, it's it's just $7.99. It's not too expensive. I didn't want to, you know, take this story and be like, oh, I like this this is, this is brilliant. This is genius. Charge them everything I can think of. I just wanted to put it out there to see what kind of reactions I could get to the premise of the story. So- so basically, what happens to them is there's a group of survivors, people who survive. and two of those people happen to be um, this this couple. One of them who who uh, started this aerospace engineering um, company years back with her husband, and he died of cancer. and then they they were working on creating biosynthetic sentient biosynthetic androids. And so they actually did succeed in creating these these androids, and so they actually spawned a race of sentient sentient robots essentially. And so the book is told primarily from the perspective of one of these, uh, sentient robots. Her name is Sheeran. And then the book also, uh, travels a little bit around. It actually tells the perspective about four different women. And so it's a, it's a female driven story and it tells this, this journey of what happens to humanity once, you know, basically everything is destroyed and where do we go from here and what happens to us? And so that's basically the story of glass stars and, uh, I'm really excited to tell it. It's uh, been a long time. Like I guess it's been a long time coming, but that's basically the story. So it's a, bit, a survival story.
0: It sounds um, like there's a lot of philosophical underpinnings um, yeah. in this story. I'm wondering, um, I think, yeah, I do not I want to talk about the pandemic, but um, as you were talking, I was just thinking it's quite interesting. Um, like you say, these people have become kind of stuck you know in yeah inside the simulation um i kind of felt like we were stuck in our homes during the pandemic i mean i know i became way Sorry. less active um during the pandemic time um we had some really long lockdowns in south africa um i'm mm-hmm. wondering if because you've been writing this story for 15 years did the last two years of the pandemic did it did it change the the way the story went um, did it have oh, yeah. An impact? It
1: actually, yeah, for sure. If it hadn't been for the pandemic, and I didn't have all that time, you know, by myself to sit and think, and to really take a, a real stock of what was happening around us. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have finished the story. I wouldn't have finished it. I actually just finished it. I finished the book about you know, a month ago. And I feel like the pandemic gave me that time to really sit with things and and wonder what will happen to us if we if things don't go quite back to normal? I mean, do we want them to go back to normal? What is normal and is that good, is that bad? And um, is living in a simulation healthy? Is it, is it good for us? I mean, the characters in the story philosophically believe that the simulation saved humanity because It allowed people to continue to work, it allowed people to continue to visit and see each other and it gave them an out. Kind of like Zooming has allowed people to still Mm -hmm. connect with each other and and give each other that that space. A lot of people feel that the simulation in the story is real to them and has brought a lot of meaning into their lives. And so without it, they don't know who they are. They don't know where they belong. They feel uh, completely displaced by it. And so, yeah, so definitely, um, actually the one of the main protagonists, her name is Lily. Uh, She creates, she's the creator of the Earth 2 simulation. Um, She actually suffers from schizoaffective disorder. So she hears things, sees things, and actually also suffers from a traumatic brain injury. So the, um, she was shot in the head when she was about five years old, someone was trying to kill her and her mother because they didn't agree with the research that they were conducting on transhumanist, you know, ethical transhumanism. And so, um, so yeah, so basically what, what she suffers through the whole time is connecting with people and feeling connect and this interconnectedness. And so with the pandemic, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to feel connected to people. It's hard Mm. to get back out there and talk and laugh and joke and, you know, even hug each other or, Mm. you know, high five each other and, and say like life is normal again. But in in many ways, we don't really want life to go back to the way. Was because not everything was perfect it wasn't it wasn't always this you know um, life through rose-colored glasses type of existence that we were mm. living
0: I think um, it's very interesting that you mentioned transhumanism um, so I've done a lot of research actually on um, post humanism transhumanism and um, yeah I'm currently supervising an honored student um, whose research is about the idea of the post human transhuman um, yeah what is the other one she mentions there's like different very like the cyborg lots of these philosophical um positions yes cyborgs yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and um many people would argue that Yeah. yeah we are already transhuman because of our reliance on technology um i'm thinking uh like you said without zoom and i think we all really live in a sort of a simulation. Um, Without Zoom, without our computers, cell phones and things, we are pretty much useless. Um, So I think, yeah, the story, um, well, from what I hear, I feel like it's really so relevant to the current time that we are in. And um, even though it's set in the the future, it also feels quite close to home. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. That's the idea. The idea is really to
1: connect us with the the present, with the future in a way that most people can relate to and understand in in a way that you know really reaches them and says oh you know I see myself what would I do how would I respond and react in the situation and who am i and who do i want to be and mm. who are we as a human species and where are we headed? what is our evolutionary trajectory mm. you know mm. um post being post-human a lot of people don't really know what that you know what is that referring to post-human it refers to people who are transcending beyond just a physical sense of humanity and being able to for example uploading your consciousness uploading your personality uploading um your ideas and your thoughts and your feelings It's kind of very similar to how we do it now right now we kind of do it in a rudimentary way through social media posting your thoughts on the internet posting pictures of yourself your daily life and logging and creating that sense of your your human nature and sharing that with people in a 24-hour cycle seven days a week where the internet never shuts off you're constantly connected to it in some way shape or form and you're constantly giving away uh, to people who you are telling people a lot about your personality and giving um, algorithms a sense of who you are so that they can feed you more of the same information that you that you crave and that you want and keep you connected. And so, yeah, in that way, we are sort of transhuman right now, um, just because we haven't uh, walked into an office and plugged into our, you know, wet jacked ourselves into a computer, like in the matrix, like they actually jack in the back yeah. of your skull. You know, um, we haven't quite reached that point yet, but I believe at some point, at some stage, we will. And we already know of biohackers and people who are impl- implanting magnets in their fingers so that they can achieve like a whole, almost a seventh or eighth sense, um, their devices actually, there's a one called Cyborg Nest. And actually I participated in the uh, Indiegogo fundraiser for it. And it's a device that allows you to sense north or to sense um, a particular direction without ever actually walking in that direction seeing that direction or it orientates you to your environment in a whole new way. It connects you with the earth's magnetic field. Wow. And so it gives you a whole new sense of mm-hmm. um, exp- sensory experience. So yeah, so there's definitely technology out there that exists now and is, is in development that'll allow us to, and that's the point of transhumanism is to actually make us more make us more connected and make mm-hmm. us feel more human. But a lot of people would argue that transhumanism, you know, really pulls us away from our humanity mm-hmm. and tries, they're thinking, oh, you just want to upload your consciousness into the internet. And like die and then live forever as like some sort of computer algorithm—is that what you mean? And I said, well, some people do. There are some people who believe that that's the future of humanity, and that's where we're headed. And so this um, this book and the pilot project that is attached to it, um, the goal is to address that head on. Is to say, what are we ha- what are we doing here? And um, I'll tell you, I don't want to spoil too much, but in the book, we find we do find aliens have to be there. I had to have aliens in my story, so. We do uh, find yeah. some aliens. <laughs> we do find some aliens in the book at the end of the book, but they are not what we expect them to be at all. And so without saying any more about that, just know that the story really takes us on this path of we may not have a choice but to uh, but to eject our physical form. We may not have a choice in order to survive, in order to to transcend beyond our solar system, to get out of where we are now there may be cataclysms that we can't even imagine. And so in the book, um, the the basic premise toward the end of the book really leads us to this huge cataclysm that's about to happen between the Milky Way and Andromeda galaxy. Now, I don't know if you know this, but science says that in 4 billion years, the Andromeda and Milky Way galaxies will collide with one another Mm. and a new Mm. elliptical galaxy will be formed. But in order for that, New galaxy to be formed. Both of the, you know, both of those galaxies, including the small satellite galaxy Triangulum, will all be destroyed, and something new will be created. And so, I believe in creative destruction as as a force of nature, as 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 natural as anything else. And I believe that eventually there's going to be a point where we can't escape it. And so, you know, either we find some other way to transport ourselves, or we. We, we die and that's just it how what is humanity willing to do to continue its existence and I think that glass stars really um, really addresses that and uses that as a focal point and the entire story revolves around the idea of what is humanity's future and what is our um, what is our evolutionary trajectory
0: mm, I think um, what's interesting about this this whole transhumanist approach is that it also questions us to uh, it 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 forces us to question what does it actually mean to be human, you know? Yeah. Um, yep. Weren't we transhumanist since the very beginning? Um, I think it's interesting. You talk about like uh, the, the extremes um, of transhumanism, you know, like plugging in and actually becoming yeah. uploading your consciousness to a computer. Um, but some would argue The fact that we use any form of technology already makes us transhuman. Like my phone is as much an extension of myself as my biological body. Um, And then they take it even further to say that, well, since the very beginning, people have been using forms of technology to make things easier for them, such as pens, paper, paper. Uh, we could even view that as technology. Um, right,
1: any tool, any tool that any you can think tool, of, any
0: we create to, yeah, uh, to make our so, lives a little
1: bit easier, right? You know. Yeah,
0: so we could even argue that even prehistoric people using tools were transhumanists. So, you know, were we ever human in the true sense of what being human is and what is being human? Um. Yeah, right, I right. I find, um. yeah, I. I'm I'm quite excited to read this book cuz um I love these philosophical questions about you know what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be transhuman where does the one end and the next begin um, yeah it sounds really um really fascinating um, can you Yeah and this um, is the this is the first in, in a series so
1: there will be I'm going to work on one novella or one novel every year for the next five years and see where we go with this because there's so many avenues to explore in this universe and I think people will really fall in love with Shirin the uh the android um because of her perspective is very unique and how she views what it means to be human is extremely important to the overall story and Mm. and what happens to these characters and as they go along and their relationships to each other how they shift and change and Uh, bend and stretch uh, in accordance with the the moment and what the moment demands of them and requires of them and the fortitude that it takes to make the choices that are necessary in order to to survive. Mm. It's really interesting to see. So I definitely wanna expand on it.
0: I think so. There's a lot to explore with this, yeah, even sure. just this topic. Um, I'm interested, why did you choose uh, to have female protagonists? Was there a very specific reason? Um, are they just easier to write? Uh, is it because you, you um, wh- yeah, wh- why did, what was your, uh, why did you choose female protagonists?
1: Well, you know, it's funny because everybody, the, the, all the great people in the, who write will say, write what you know, and like, I don't know any other, I don't know the male perspective. I don't mm-hmm. know what it means to think as a male. And sometimes I even question whether or not there really is a difference between men and women in terms of perspectives, because the women are just in the story are just as varied and diverse as, as anyone. I mean that each of them has their own individual perspective. One of them comes from a military background. And so her perspective is a very um, different from that of like Lily, for example. And her name is Naomi and she, she comes from a military background, and in the story, in the past, in the human past of my story, there has been a second civil war, and she fought in that, se- she fought in that war and grew, grew up in that war, and so her perspective is very much colored by that military experience mm. and background, and then you have Lily, who grew up very sheltered, very, she was basically orphaned as a, you know, as a young child and grew up in, in solitude for the most part. And so her perspective is very much, you know, um, and all of these women sort of. Uh, if you were gonna, I don't want to like, you know, offend anybody with religion or anything like that. But if you think of something like the Trinity, which it encompasses, you know, this think of it, think of it like a shamrock, you know, with the stem and the three clo, you know, the three little petals on it. Um, each of these women reflects some different element of my my personality or my thought processes or a different point in my life where I was mm. um, I thought a certain way about certain things and so yeah the story is definitely co- comes from me and my perspective as a woman but it doesn't try too hard to focus on gender as mm. a focal point a, as a theme but it does um, it does address that because we do the, the main antagonist is male mm. and the most of the ma- most of the antagonists in the story are men who want to keep the status quo and want to maintain a certain amount of, exert a certain amount of control over the future. And seeing these women with all the power and the control drives them absolutely crazy, which is something that I don't really talk about in the book as much as the the pilot and the arc of the first season of the series, if it does go get greenlit. Um, It will definitely be a, a, a battle of the sexes in the pilot. You'll see a lot more of that Uh, that play, that banter between men and women in that. But there are so many conversations that uh, the women have that don't involve men at all, Mm. that are about the moment and what it requires of them and what do we do now that has nothing to do with Charlie Aikens and United Against Transhumanism, but it has to do with their relationships with each other, their familial relationships, um, romantic relationships and attachments that they may have with one another and so the the story is LGBTQ friendly because it centers on this this um, this female couple and their lives to get their life together and the future of their relationship uh, very much depends on the choices they make mm. um, in every moment. So, yeah, I, I would say that it's definitely. Um, It would be too easy to say you know yeah i purposefully wrote this to you know rally for women but (laughs) the truth is is that i can only write what i know and what i've experienced and so that's basically where it comes from it just comes from it is easier to write as a female being a woman
0: Mm -hmm. no i understand yeah definitely um yeah, I, yeah, I think, yeah, gender, like you say, um, and even in the current society, it's usually men that still are in power, <laughs> you know, there's still some right, way right. to go. So once again, um, I think, um, yeah, even though it's set in the hypothetical future, um, it still seems quite close to home. So, um, yeah, yeah. Can you um, elaborate about the other project a little bit? Uh, so you mentioned there's two two projects. Yeah.
1: Sure, sure. So we have the book, which is um, coming out in December and uh, this month. And then we also are working on uh, we're looking for financiers and producers to put together a pilot episode to present to festivals, to present to the world um, a visual, a visual representation of the story and adaptation of the book that will allow people to really see this story in action. And so um, we did a, a small Indiegogo, but I didn't get a lot of traction going on. it. So I'm going to try again. So right now, what we're doing is we're just planning on the perks. What do we want to give to people to uh, to donate to the project? And so, as soon as we have more information about that Indiegogo campaign, I will uh, you know I'll get back in touch and I'll let you know, and you can share mm-hmm. that out with people. But um, but yeah, so the pilot is really designed. We actually do have one actor. I actually have two actors right now. Actually, just um, we just brought one more actor into the fold. And so we have uh, Melissa Longo, who is the wife of um, Aaron Eisenberg, who played Nog in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Oh,
0: wonderful. And then
1: Rico Rico Anderson has joined us as Neil Chandler. The character of Neil Chandler is really unique because he is a minister. And so the story definitely, um, definitely brings into a little bit of the religious um, elements of you know what people believe, what's right, what's wrong. Are we playing God? Um, how far is too far? And so Neil Chandler represents this sort of balance, the counterweight to the transhumanists who have basically taken over the whole society and have had their way for the last hundred years. And Neil represents that counterweight to that. And then where does he fall in terms of, well, how far will he go to actually try to balance out the transhumanist perspective um, with one that's a little bit more organic, a little bit more mm-hmm. close to home. And, um, in the story, the, there are no Bibles. The only the only uh, evidence of any kind of religious literature is this daily bread devotional book that Neil keeps with him and he's memorized it cover to cover. And so Rico uh, is gonna play him, if we can get this money together, we're looking for 50,000 to 50 to $100,000 That's a drop in the bucket compared to what they spend on sci-fi these days. You wouldn't believe how expensive it is to produce a sci-fi series. Mm -hmm. Millions and millions of dollars. But what what we're looking for is just the bare minimum to shoot the pilot, to give you a sense of what the story is about, who the main characters are, and entice you to want to see more so that, you know, we make the rest of it. Because I have a 10 episode season uh, prepared. So I'm ready to go. I'm just looking for the right people. And so far the story's been well received in the festival circuit. Um, we were selected by the Colorado International Sci-Fi and Fantasy Film Festival, our script, um, and we were showcased by them And this year. Actually, I found that out last month. And uh, we've also made semifinals in a competition, quarterfinals here and there. So the script is in good shape. Um, I, I constantly go back to the script and I constantly go back and tweak it um looking for any little what I, what, I, what else can I give it to give it that extra little punch so um I just added something to the end of the pilot I was told your pilot is great he has great potential but maybe add something the end of the pilot's a little soft maybe let's give it some little extra something and so I was like you know I can do that so I'm a writer I can go back into the script and I can find that little extra edge and so that's kind of what I've been doing lately but yeah so that's the pilot project itself it's an independently produced um project and that would be um produced by myself. I'm not sure if I want to direct it. I'm actually looking to see if maybe I can find somebody maybe from Star Trek or from Battlestar Galactica or Mm -hmm. somebody who's um, already done something really amazing and wants to, you know, contribute to an indie project like this. That Mm -hmm. would be fantastic to bring somebody else aboard who has a little bit more experience, has a little bit more knowledge, and is willing to really make this thing go. And so Mm -hmm. if I can't find anybody, then I would direct it. And I'd be happy to do that. I've directed some, um, some projects in the past. It's been a while, but I would be really happy to do it. So, so that's the pilot project, and um, that's what we're working on now. And if you want to follow that, that's a Glass Stars project on Instagram. And we just rolled over 200 followers. I'm really excited <laughs> that you know we made it over the hump, and uh, we're gonna keep going. And um, we do have a trailer that people can go and watch. It's a screenplay trailer that is enough to give you a sense of the tone of the story and this a sense of the basic story of the elements. And uh, so, yeah, so go and watch it. It's on YouTube right now. You can just look up Glass Stars Screenplay Trailer. Or you can go to our Instagram and hit that little link that's right there in the, in the about information section and, um, and share it out with everybody and just show people, you know, women can do amazing things when they're given the, the right resources and when they team up together to do something. And so right now I'm really looking for strong women, uh, decision makers, women who are forces to be reckoned with in the industry who want to mm-hmm. take this on and really be a part of it, so. Yep, that's it. Oh, no,
0: wonderful, wonderful. Um, yeah, I really wish you the best for this project. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I think I'm definitely going to read the book for my holiday reading. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm quite a lazy reader, but <laughs> but well, um... I'm a lazy
1: writer. I, 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 uh, like I said, I, I'm a short story writer primarily. And so to, to squeeze out like 40,000 words and turn this thing into a book was no easy feat. Let me tell you, I, I struggled. I was like, I'm done. I don't have anything more to say. <laughs> (laughs) what else can I say and then I was like no no there's more you can always there's always more so so yeah so if I can do it I believe it's only 176 pages you'll probably read it within a few hours and and then you can tell me what you think and Mm. you know be kind but be but be honest and tell me you know if there's anything because your feedback feedback from everybody will help will only make it better Mm. will only make it better so Mm. that's what I'm looking forward to help to help make it better
0: Great. No, I will. I will do that. No, definitely. Um, Currently, I'm reading the autobiography of Catherine Janeway. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah, the, that's on my reading lovely. list for the holidays, yeah, for sure. I definitely need to read that. Yes. Yeah, it's lovely. For so sure. then, uh, yeah, yours is next on my list. Um. Yeah. Kat, thank you so much for uh, coming onto the show and for um, talking about your work. Um, it's really a wonderful break from what I usually do. So thank you so much. And I really wish you all the best for this project. I think it's so wonderful that, you know, you, I, I would never have the guts to take something like this on, Um, you know, yeah, really kudos to you for, you know, doing this and taking it on and taking it so far and keep going. Um, I really think in the future, this project will be successful and i really wish you all the best with this
1: project fantastic thank you so much for giving me the time in this space and i really appreciate you what you're doing with your show is fantastic i'm enjoying every single second of it and i wish you all the best as well thank you it's my pleasure
0: this show is brought to you by Sweet media computer list other available Sweet media programs
1: loading Sweet preview program for the fluffernutter and let's petition a force podcast
0: one of the best parts of the book is when joe introduces skippy once they hit orbit <laughs> he changes his skin towards it bud light and yeah. says absolutely nothing <laughs> <laughs> that, that was that was hysterical that was absolutely hysterical and why and why did he choose bud light oh joe asks this question it's just like how does he know so much about earth culture
1: Loading Holosuite Preview Program Four Blast Shield,
0: a Star Trek Lower Decks podcast.
1: I think we all thought Ransom was going to go into that fight scene, thinking that it was game over before it even started, and he was going to lose. But I think the moment he rips his uniform off, (laughs) which is hard anyway to rip a shirt, but to rip an actual like jacket like that, Mm. pretty impressive. And then he had like about i don't know i think it's like 62 abs he just looked ripped and then he was just like you know a little bit of this yeah a little bit of that <laughs> i was just gonna say it was the way that he also narrated it it was just perfect it was great
0: ransom definitely went to the school of kirk Fu. ransom foo maybe we should be calling it
1: computer deactivate Hollow Suite.